Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Fake the Nation, episode 341. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, and where we take the term debt ceiling, we put it in a Vitamix blender, throw in some garlic and kale, and pulverize it into a gross smoothie, and then pour that entire smoothie into a toilet. Because I'm your host, Nagin Farsat, and I hate the stupid manufacturing loophole drama of the debt ceiling. Um, it's like we're all drowning in a kiddie pool that we keep filling with water. Stop it, everybody. Today, we're going to have to briefly mention the debt ceiling. And we're also going to have to briefly mention the other annoying political news about Biden and his classified documents. But we'll also talk about the sudden everyone hates me feeling that you know exactly what I'm talking about, that feeling. And finally, George Santos and the joys of lying. Today, oh, folks, this panel, this panel is fully ridiculous. Just all-time phenomenal panel. I I cannot believe it. I mean, Andrew really outdid himself this time, as he does nearly every week. We are joined. Um, again, he's been on the show before. You've loved him on the show before. You've loved him on multiple, many a show in the past years because he's just, he's prolific. He's everywhere. He's host of the podcast Vibe Check on Stitcher. He's also co-host of the podcast Intuit on Vulture. And he is the wonderful Sam Sanders. Hey, Sam. Hi, it's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. 
Oh my God, so happy you've come back. Um, yes. And I'm so excited to uh, introduce the other panelists we have on the show. I mean, I have been a fan of hers for one gajillion years because she's just so phenomenal. She's also been on the show before, which is also crazy. You can catch her on Drop Dead Diva, the upcoming Disney Plus movie Prom Pact. And the thing I'm most excited about is she's got this um, 2023 North American tour launching called Live and Livid. It is the one and only Margaret Cho. Hey, Thank you. I'm so happy to be back. This is really great. Oh my God. So, so exciting to have you. And before we launch into the show, I just want to remind people that uh, you could support the show by going to patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. For as little as $4 a month, you get extra uh, bonus episodes of the show, which is where the 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 wackier fun happens. So go to patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. And now, oh, and also special thanks to everyone who've come, who came out to see my shows this last weekend. I'm so um, elated and I, I will hopefully be coming to um, environs closer to you in 2023. Um, so, you know, uh, stay tuned for more show dates coming up. All right, let us get into it with topic number one. Okay, first up, the fake money apocalypse known as the debt ceiling is back. And this time, the hostage takers are just, I think, more unpleasant. Um, I should mention that the debt ceiling is money owed on expenditures that we already agreed on. It's kind of like paying your credit card debt, right? It's not like a surprise money situation. Um, and it was never supposed to be used as a political tool to break down the government. And yet, um, that started in 2011 with the Tea Partiers. Remember those guys? Um, and now, uh, okay, so here's the deal. Here's where where we'll start with my question to you is the Biden administration says that they're not going to negotiate. And in fact, that's what Obama did in 2011. Um, but they were based, they basically played a game of chicken and then, and by, and, and Obama won. Because he was just like, I'm not negotiating. This is not something we negotiated on. He was right, and it worked. Now, here we are in 2023, and the players are just more unpleasant than the ones that Obama had to deal with. Um, the situation is weirder because Kevin McCarthy could be voted out by anyone, or just they could, there could be a call of no confidence or whatever they're calling it um, by any one member of the House. So I don't know. He seems to be more hamstrung. I don't know. What do you think? Do you? How do you think this is going to play out? Do you think the Biden administration should negotiate? It's a hard. I really. This is like the. I really don't understand a lot of these financial things. Like they're always saying like, oh, tr- Trump brought jobs back. Trump helped the economy. But that's not true either. You know, there's not been any improvement of the economy. It's gotten so much worse under Trump. And then, like, I think it's Biden really kind of like recovering the damage and recovering the shipwreck and trying to figure out what to do. But it's really I I just really think it's uh, another weird mythical thing that the right always pushes like this. We we want financial freedom we want all of the stuff but it's like really it's not viable yeah Yeah. sam well whenever i hear debt ceiling conversation i remember 10 years ago when i worked at npr the debt ceiling was an issue when you were just like a like a 15 year old young man yeah (laughs) maybe like more than 10 years ago but i helped write a debt ceiling rap 
Carl <laughs> Castle. Carl yes. Castle did a debt ceiling rap. Rest Stop his soul. It, I think so the ridiculous. audio was buried because it wasn't great, but I wrote the rap and coached him through rapping it. Anywho, all this to say, <laughs> all this to say, if you're Joe Biden, you have to play chicken. You can't negotiate mm-hmm. with them. Like we saw what happened when Kevin McCarthy negotiated with the hard right faction of the GOP in this speaker race. He gave away all of his power. He made shit harder. And he's made himself barely even Speaker of the House. You've already said that, like, one person could start a vote to get him out. If you negotiate with these folks, they won't do it in good faith. And they'll just do all they can to muck shit up. So if you're Joe Biden, you just sit back and hope that Marjorie Taylor Greene is as loud as possible. You want <laughs> just, all the attention to Keep her, to talk. keep yeah. her talking. Keep her fighting exactly. with Lauren Boebert. Keep them fighting. Yeah. That's that's the, the real housewives want to see. With Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene. Exactly. Well, because, like, we're going to hit some kind of government shutdown or government stoppage Mm -hmm. this year. It's going to happen either over the debt ceiling or or over just, like, spending bills. Like, part of what Kevin McCarthy gave away to become Speaker was the ability to pass omnibus spending bills. So he's basically broken up in the House, at least, spending packages into 12 different silos that means there are 12 opportunities for the gop in the house to shut down the government government (laughs) on top of the debt ceiling argument fantastic if we're already going to have some kind of shutdown already because of the gop and you're joe biden all you can do is say let's make sure it looks like it's their fault and so if you're joe just shut up and watch just shut up and watch that's all you can do but there's also people like Joe Manchin who are like, I would actually like to see the Democrats do a negotiation. And there's other moderates in the House that are like, well, actually, I think we should maybe we should be looking at uh, not passing a clean debt ceiling. Um, no, I just no, also, no, no. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. Um, also, and also, you never know, like, what a Joe Manchin or what a moderate House Democrat is saying just to say it for their local news, for their own districts. You and know for what their I mean? donors. And for their and, donors. And you for know? their donors. For ExxonMobil. Right. Well, he's such a <laughs> right. wild card, too, along with Christian Cinema. Like, I don't know what's going to happen except for what, what's in their own interest. It's always in their own interest that they vote, that they make decisions, always in their own interest. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then the but the, the other just little thing that I like to remind people is that um, U.S. Treasury debt is basically the basis of the entire global financial system. Nice. So <laughs> this thing, <laughs> so this thing, even though it's like I find it deeply annoying and I like really don't ever want to talk about it. And like I'm so and I was sort of dragged into this uh, particular topic by myself kicking and screaming. <laughs> I, 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 it, I feel like we have to mention it just because it feels dumb. It feels like a joke. Um, it feels like something that someone accidentally forgot to delete from a bill, like this thing of voting for the debt ceiling, you know? If the if the debt ceiling is something that could be cured by a $1 trillion coin fabrication, then this is obviously not like real, but it is real because if it does, if we don't appear to be operating properly, the entire global financial system would go into a frenzy, <laughs> you know? So it is a thing even though it's so dumb at the same time it's so dumb yeah well and also i just like remind myself watching this saga which we watched over a decade ago it's like how do you preserve your sanity and mental health while watching this foolishness transpire you're like keep the government (laughs) open and i'm kind of like let me not really pay too much attention to their like voting on the floor because they will 
circle the drain with this yeah, debt yeah. ceiling rhetoric for weeks. And then there'll be one day where shit really hits the fan. I want to really plug in on that day. Because if you follow this shit hour by hour, you will drive yourself crazy. You'll drive yourself yeah, crazy. Absolutely. Um, I also want to get into another really annoying story, which is Biden's documents. Uh, <laughs> so, they, it's so it's, annoying. It's so <laughs> annoying. It's like, what? No, you know what? No. You know what? I, I'm like, they're trying to compare something that like Trump Trump had so many things. The the documents are just one of the things against Trump. There are uh-huh. so many crimes that he's committed in office and out that he should be at least banned for office from. So just the I, I, now there's I Mike Pence documents. I, I don't I don't know. I don't, I don't understand. I don't know. Well, I know you, I you could like, put together a list of like 25 Trump things. And then you've got this one Biden classified document thing, which, by the way, he's been cooperating fully at every stage every step of the way and it's like yeah. um now they're even margaret now biden and trump are even no well, and then on top of it freaking mike pence hops in the chat and you're like where'd you come from dude <laughs> he has apparently classified documents at his house but apparently he felt a little worried about the docs himself so asked for help from a lawyer and the lawyer was like get this checked out it all points to this larger issue in the mm. conversation around all the classified documents being in politicians' homes. A lot of experts, security experts, say that ever since the Cold War, the federal government has been classifying too many documents. And it makes it hard for various branches of the government to communicate. And it also means that a lot of stuff that shouldn't be classified is classified. And we're going to keep seeing more stuff like this until the government just kind of pumps the brakes on overclassification. Right. It's like Madeleine Albright's grocery list from like 2010 <laughs> was classified and it ended up in Biden's desk, you know, yeah. somehow. And then it's like, fuck, we've got classified documents, yes. but it's the most meaningless list of turnips. Yeah. I interned right. for the State Department in the summer of like 2007. Ooh, intern and I couldn't brag. Do anything. I was a little, no, it was, it was literally a favor. <laughs> and I had no business <laughs> being in that embassy, but they let me like write stuff that was total foolishness. It was bad. It had a secret classification. Like the gobbledygook that I wrote had a secret classification, and it's like, wait, why? Sam Sanders <laughs> why? intern, <laughs> yes, had a secret classification, but like everything that. is classified, and you're just like, y'all right. gotta get over this, y'all gotta get over this. <laughs> In the meantime, I do hope that we at some point get camera shots of the way these politicians take their stuff home is it in a cardboard box is it in a trunk is it in a duffel bag i want to know all the details yeah, where do trapper they put it keepers yes yeah. mm. i want to know a peachy, i want to know an old school orange peachy Ooh, yes. 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 yeah um no and it's also funny because i think Look, even when this stuff was happening with I want to say for the record that fake the nation has been um and not at all um, uh, impartial observer of these things. <laughs> but but when the Trump, I want to say that one thing that it ha- we have been very fair about is we've been annoyed by 
any classified document uh, scandal, okay? So when it happened with Trump, it was annoying. And now that it's happening with Biden, it is also annoying. We are a, we're unified on it's annoying no matter what party. Um, And I think that with the Trump thing, again, like he did not cooperate. He didn't cooperate for like a year. That's why they had to do a raid. That's why there was a subpoena. I mean, that was a, a, a more of a legitimate drama. Now that said, like, I think that if there was a document that was so dangerous that um what you know that it was really going to put um Americans in peril you I don't know look I'm making this up based on movies um I think you sort of like look at that document like standing next to the government document safe right and you look at it and you have to put it back or something like I don't think like some of the things that they're they're able to take home where it's just like oh sure Donnie like take that home and just like mull it over um we're all acting as if the former president would read but like take it home (laughs) (laughs) over you know I feel feel like part of the whole classified document thing is it goes to what you're saying. They overclassified and the stuff that ends up in people's homes, I would love to know like truly what level of fear we should have about it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. All right. Let us move on to a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsors. And then when we come back, we will continue talking. Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. I have used Rocket Money. And you guys, honestly, I had no idea how many things I was subscribing to that I didn't want to be subscribing to. I think we all go into, we enter into subscriptions with a Pollyanna view that we're going to use as a subscription, even though it's a super obscure, you know, education app from Albania that uh, teaches Russian math or whatever. And then you're like, I'm never going to use this. Why did I get it? I should remember to cancel it. And then you don't. And I know you guys are like me and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering and Rocket Money is there to help. Because basically Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing. To unsubscribe, you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you with a click of a button. It's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I mean, tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you, Rocket Money, for like fixing the shame glaze on my life. Uh, So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation, you guys. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. 
Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. And we are back and we're ready with topic number two. All right. Like, I cannot tell you how many times I've walked out of a party or a meeting or a show I'm doing and I think to myself, oh, everybody hates me. And this turns out is a uh, universally understood feeling, and psychologists have even weighed in on it. So today we're going to get down to the bottom of it. But my first question to both of you is, uh, have you had this feeling? Yes, of course. It's humanity. Every day of my life. And you know what? It propels me to succeed. Yes. I like it. That's right. That's good. I mean, it's. I think it's a human trait. Uh, What then? The because you're the heartbreaking thing is that nobody's thinking about you. That's what's the horrible, the horrible truth is that nobody notices, and that's what you learn as you get older. It's that that thing. Oh, like oh, everybody hates me, and it's an avoidance tactic to stop the thought that nobody cares, and then you get past your fifties and you go, oh, actually, nobody cares. Which is great freedom. I haven't gotten there yet. No, it's true. Mm. I remember I, I I came out of the closet later in life, so it was like mid to late twenties, and I was like, I gotta. Everyone is wondering and waiting, and I gotta tell everybody. And then I I, would, I told all my friends, they were like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> we knew, and they move the fuck on. It's like nobody yeah. cares as much as you do about yourself. Yeah. Just live your fucking right. life. Yeah. That right. said, mm-hmm. I do think it's sometimes good to worry a bit too much about how you're perceived, especially if you're in a creative or public-facing arena or field. It makes your work harder to be likable. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm like never mad at it. Like it makes me yeah. hustle. It makes yeah. me hustle. That's a so productive he- way to look at it. Here's a well, here's another the opposite question is do you come out of a situation and you think, oh my God, like everybody loved me? (laughs) Is that ever something that you make that when I'm hanging around a bunch of dogs? I'm like, oh, those puppies loved me. (laughs) They did. Sweet. That's so beautiful. (laughs) I mean, I don't think so. Like, I think that all oftentimes, especially if you're like Working in media, there is that idea in the back, like somebody's not going to like this. And you're going to be faced with this sort of like weirdness of public opinion. So I think in general, like people that work in media are inherently insecure. Yeah. So we're always going to be looking at the possibility of flaw and error and mistake and bias and everything. So I think that's a part of it. And then some people really kind of get high off of the idea. It's a Christ complex as well mm. that either be loved or hated. It's like when Kanye West was doing those um, Sunday services and he would bring um, like Marilyn Manson and I, somebody else, like somebody else that's universally hated. Like, I'm not sure. Kato Kalin. I don't know. Mm. Not that he's Kalin, <laughs> but somebody like that is mm-hmm. very um, negatively thought of. And he's he's positioning himself as christ with the two thieves on um on the crucifixion day you know that kind of thing of like i'm hated but beloved mm-hmm. yeah i mean yeah. It, or it or interestingly i think in that scenario he like someone like kanye west probably thought he was so beloved that he could turn the reputational tides of these other people um or like you know, or you think as someone like Elon Musk, like does Elon Musk walk out of meetings being like, "Oh, everybody hates me"? He probably 
doesn't, no. you know? I mean, I don't feel yeah. like someone like that. So I think you're right, Sam. I think it's better to err, err on the side of everybody hates you. <laughs> well, and also, like, you get to this realization, especially if you've been making something in the public for long enough, you realize that no matter what you do or how you do it, somebody's going to hate it and someone's going to hate you. And you have to just make peace with that. Like, we're actually not supposed to be liked by everybody. It is mm -hmm. a natural state of being for someone to just dislike you just because that is how it works. That is how human nature works. And so, like, you know, wanting to be liked is fine. But understand that you'll never get everybody to like you. No. Yeah. And sometimes you want that enemy. That also <laughs> propels you in a different way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, it's so we we looked at a piece in Vice that talks about this phenomenon and the psychologist weighed in about that feeling that, oh, my God, everyone hates me. And they said that it often kind of tracks back, first of all, to how you were raised, if you got enough love, if you got enough affirmation as a child. But like it off, it, it, but it, operationally, what tends to happen is, let's say a friend is lagging on their replies to your text messages or something, or they don't respond or like they respond abruptly and you read into it. Like that, I think, is something everybody understands where you're like, look at a text and you're like, what does that mean? And you show your roommate the text, like, what did, hey, can you read this? What do you think that means? You know, and just reading into something. Um, the feeling, according to psychologists, often um, arises when people struggle to tolerate uncertainty. So, so if they're just like not sure what's going on, they uh, resort to making black and white conclusions when there's no real evidence to support them. So this is like a common thing that happens where you're like, well, I don't know what this text means, but I need to give myself an answer. So my answer is they hate me. The relationship no. is over or whatever. I'm at this age now where it's like when my friends don't text me back, I'm just like, I get it. You have a job and a baby yeah, yeah. and everybody's tired. And, and maybe like, they got some dick. I think always think, oh, they got some dick. I'll give it like 20 minutes. Because, you know, they they got some dick. You got to yes. like, leave, them, leave them be. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. I I think before, honestly, I think that one of the, I mean, I think the child thing makes a huge change in your life. Like before having a chat, I feel like I was pretty good about responding to text messages. But then actually when the pandemic hit, I became very bad at responding to text messages. I don't know. I mean, I think maybe there's also there was like a work blurring. So like my text messages used to just be fun. Mm -hmm. And then now half of all text messages are work. Mm -hmm. And so it's like a different stress level now Wait, that they I text you for work. Keep that in my Slack. Of, I, Do not know. I, I mm -mm. get a lot of work text Ooh. messages. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's Let not, me talk it's... to your team once we're done here because you need to set some boundaries <laughs> and I want to help. Boundaries are good. <laughs> I get a lot of work chat messages. And so I think it's made, yeah, it's like, it's like a ruined text messaging for me. Yeah. Um, but I think I love that idea, Margaret, that you're like, maybe they got dick. Like, I feel like that's a great mantra um, because mm -hmm. I give myself like a 20 minute like speech about what the other person's day is like. Um, and I'm like, oh, well, this was a really curt text message. My feelings are slightly hurt and I don't know how to feel, but they have this really intense job or they have a, a parent they're taking care of 
have or they're in a different time zone so it's weird you know I give myself like a full speech about their yeah. lives to like make it through one uncertain text uh, which feels like a real big waste of my time <laughs> and I it need is. to get over it there's a thing that my British friends do that I find genius and I kind of want to start doing it myself mm. they'll send text messages and if the text has two X's at the end, XX, it means I'm done. Stop writing me. This is the end of our communication right now. We're good. Mm -hmm. So it's like a way to say, don't feel pressure to write back. I said what I wanted to say. You got it. Still love you. You know, that Um, is a good thing that I want to say. That's like a national thing. Like that's like a, that's, I don't know if it's a national thing, but my British friends do it. I really hope that when like Meghan and Harry, left the royal family the last text the queen sent to them and did xx (laughs) (laughs) and like a little corgi emoji yes yes. oh my god um by the way the idea that the did the queen text i don't know this was this is a whole uh, an entirely separate podcast episode is whether or not the queen texted and also just like a little update to listeners i we talked about the Meghan and Harry doc on Netflix for like two and a half seconds um, when it came out a couple months ago. Uh, I, I have since – I got sick one day and then I watched the entire thing. So, I, uh, What's your verdict I, on it? My verdict on it is um, – the paparazzi is nuts. Like I did it. I mean, yeah. you know, that's yeah. my my. It and and I and I. They have a right to be annoyed because the paparazzi does seem menacing. They're totally crazy. My thing with that documentary and the book and all of them, it's like I have never felt more conflicted about two celebrities. On the one hand, I know they went through it. What yeah. they experienced yeah. was mm-hmm. not right. Yes. On the other hand, whenever I see or hear them now, I'm just like, shut up. Yeah. Shut up. Totally. Totally. Find totally. some new trauma. You're in a trauma <laughs> loop. You got to move on. You got to yeah. move on. Yeah. That is they exactly annoy me, you know? And I hate that they annoy me because I feel for them. But yeah, right. shut up. Stop talking. X, X. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I love them. And I love that um, in, in it, they use a MacBook as a coaster. Oh, <laughs> really? Look- I missed that. <laughs> There's a part where I, I like, had to really pause. I go, she put that glass of wine on a MacBook. Like I was like, "Ooh, they are really rich." I was really excited. I actually really oh love God. them, and I love the insight on the royal family. And you know, because so much of that is closed off to us. Mm-hmm. Also, right. I made me realize that the Queen's pronouns are they them. The Queen was a they them oh. because you would address her as the royal That's we. So oh, true. so progressive she, Queen. We love. She that. was a progressive Queen. I was wow. really excited to think about wow. that because that's like where we first thought of like adjusting pronouns is for royalty, which is why I think it's so appropriate to use it now for uh, somebody who identifies as a they them. Very I cool. We are royalty. That's yeah. I love that for they thems. Like yeah. that's how they should be. Like you can refer to me as they them, like the queen, like right. the queen. Like <laughs> yes, my my favorite oddity of that documentary and the whole story is just how Tyler Perry is involved. You're just yeah. like, what? Bizarre. He feels like yeah. he feels like a very wealthy black new millennial Forrest Gump. You know how Forrest <laughs> yeah, Gump just yeah. like showed up in history and was like, yeah. oh, Forrest Gump is here. Forrest Gump is here. Mm-hmm. Tyler Perry is that. You're yeah. just like, why is Tyler Perry here? Doesn't matter. He's here. 
Tyler yeah, is here. Yeah, no, spoiler, Tyler play, Perry plays a weirdly large role in Very like pivotal. getting them into yeah. America and yeah. safety and all sorts of stuff. Um, he has a nice house, you know. A very nice, um, an estate. <laughs> yeah. He has an estate. It's on grounds. There are acres. Um, now, uh, all I'm thinking about now is whether or not Tyler Perry ever feels like everybody hates him. Um, he seems like he might. Oh, he like, doesn't. Like, Have occasion. you watched his shows? Have you watched his shows? He doesn't care if anybody hates him. <laughs> oh, so here's okay. Uh, just to close off this segment, I I have this friend, and I wonder if you this um, resonates with either of you. I have this friend who like he has a version of thinking that everybody hates him, which is that he'll say something innocent, and then he'll like you know you'll have lunch with him or something. He'll say something innocent, and then he goes back home and then replays a thing he said and worries that he offended you. And so, for example. You know, I don't know. I mean, he's a great guy. He's the best. But he'll, I'll just make something up. Like, he'll just be like, your dog is so cute, um, but I guess he sheds a lot. And then I'll be like, oh, yeah, he does. But he'll go home and he'll, like, write a five-paragraph long email that he's like, I didn't mean to offend you about your dog shedding a lot. Like, I don't want you to think that I don't like your dog. Your dog seems like the best. Like, and he really, like, goes into it. And it's and it consistently makes me laugh because I'm like, I was not offended. You're so hilarious for thinking that I – I mean, it's very cute. Um, do you have is it a cute? friend – Is it cute? That's what's offensive is, is that he's writing and making you read the long email. You should write yeah. at the beginning TLDR. <laughs> Also, that's annoying, I find. And it's very self-absorbed. Yeah. Like, you're not just going to dwell on this thing that meant nothing. You're going to have to make me dwell on this thing for a whole email? Leave me alone. X, 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 X. X. It's giving you think about this too much. You think about yourself too much, X, X. Yes. I love the X, X for that. Let's do it. Yes, X, X. I think he's criticizing his own behavior constantly like he's criticized you know he's like analyzing his own behavior and finding fault in it all the time is he seeing a therapist i really you know what i hope so he's really (laughs) the best guy he's so sweet there's also probably a pill for this like seriously fix it yeah yeah yeah. it's an over fixation and you know maybe and maybe he's already dealt with it who knows um next time he emails you that yeah it is a little ocd next time he emails you like that just write back XX. Yeah, that's it. perfect. And that's, that's all you have it. to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I usually keep it short. Like, hey, I never even thought about this. You're the best. Love you. Goodbye. Or even the thumbs up, uh, like, you know, mm-hmm. on iPhone, like a ding. Right, 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 mm-hmm. right. And by the way, we there was we did a segment like a few months ago that apparently the, some people think the thumbs up emoji, um, text return, whatever, is... Um, offensive. Why? Because it's like, yeah, because I think it's like curt and like shutting down the conversation, oh, which no. I was like, I thought it was like wrapping, beautifully wrapping up no. the conversation. There's a whole class of people, including myself, that are reluctant to use periods in text messages. Wow. Ooh. Feels very just, uh, wow. I use a bunch of exclamation points or just like line breaks. I, I never use weird. a period. Right? Unless I'm actually spelling out the word period. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right, um, folks, let me know. Do you ever experience the sudden feeling that everybody hates you? And have you learned to deal with it? Um, hit me up on all of the social media that also gives us anxiety. Uh, now, let us move on to the next topic. 
Uh, the George Santos lies keep trickling out, and they are hilarious. He said he never did drag, but, like, he totally did. He said he was mugged on Fifth Avenue. There's no record of it. He said his mom was at 9-11, but apparently she was out of the country. We know he lied about where he went to school, about his ethnicity, about his work history. Basically, all of the main highlights of life this dude has lied about. Um, and we're going to go into the concept of lying and the zing it might give to some people. But before we do that, what do you think should happen with George Santos? Because I tell you, he does not seem to be stepping down no and it's it's really i'm so sick of him it's giving baron von munchausen it's it's really i'm having a huge problem with like how much attention is being put on him i mean just to make fun of him but the fact is he's not going away and none of these disqual these lies somehow disqualify him for office which they should they should have immediately it's really it's really not it's not cool yeah, I think we're going to be hearing from this man for the next 10 years, whatever yeah. happens. Yeah, He likes the spotlight. He knows how to get attention. McCarthy is not going to kick him out unless shit gets really worse. So I figure he'll serve out at least half of his term, and then he'll be doing stuff to stay in our mind's eye. He'll be on a reality show. He'll be oh, a yeah, pundit that's on perfect. Fox News. Yeah, he's that's on all perfect. that shit. Yeah, sure. yeah, he's one of those. Yeah. He's one of those. He's, one of those. Yeah. he's never going to leave us. You know, it's like when you see how he reacts to this stuff, he wants it. He so, like, it. there's all these questions about him being a drag queen. Then he gets into an argument on Twitter with the drag queen, yeah. which makes me say, you a drag queen. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's right. You know? That's right. <laughs> but he wants it, you know? He wants it. And I must say, it's not even my guilty pleasure. It's just my pleasure watching that train wreck. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm like, you know what? If Marjorie can be up in the House of Representatives, let this dude can too. Let me just mm -hmm. laugh and watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because some people are like, well, it looks like he'll just do two years um, and it won't really be very harmful or, you know, he doesn't have very much power ultimately. So maybe he'll just do these two years and then he won't be voted back in and then that'll be the end of that. He could I be mean, voted back be the, in. The f well, they could vote him back in. I don't right? think that that would happen because, I, you know, I do think that enough reasonable voters would turn out and be like, we are not putting up with this. But I will say, just in terms of, like, the notion that a sitting member of Congress can't do very much harm, I think we always think of Congress as, like, these people that go and vote on really large policy measures, like on health care, and they're just voting on these big things. But the other thing, as a, also a former intern on Capitol Hill, thank you very uh -huh. much, um, the other thing that happens with with Congress people is that they're constantly fielding um, inquiries for help from citizens in their district. And so, you know... The, constituent I, services. Constituent services. I mean, I, that was one of the things when I was an intern for Charlie Rangel, thanks very much, um, I would... I used to love that man. I mean, Oh my God, he had that little great. gravelly I voice. Absolutely oh, love that man. Mr. Rangel. Anyways, um, go ahead, sorry. He would... So I would read a lot of the, e the, the letters that came in and people just had needed help. They needed help, um, you know, with a visa for their cousin they needed help with like a zoning issue they needed help with a something with the legal something i mean it was just like people need help and so i am just curious to know if that office is like functioning in any way you know what i mean well with this dude if history is any guide with george santos 
Probably not. One, he's probably not getting good staffers because the good staffers. Right. Don't Who's going to work for him? Yeah. And two, his grift shows that he would mess up a thing like constituent services. You'll recall the story about him having some charity that helped like rescue dogs, but apparently he killed some dogs. Like this dude is just like, and, like not going to do anything the money, right. You know, yeah. there's yeah. so that dishonesty. I mean, now it's like news if he did tell the truth. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So he might be doing the thing where he writes back to all of his constituents' emails, but is just doing nothing. Mm -hmm. That might be going on. Right. Exactly. Which so exactly. So then you're sort of stuck without having that avenue for help. Call your senator. Call your call call your senator. (laughs) Call your local state assembly person. You know, there's other places you could call. But okay, so we're now we talked about George Santos. He did these sort of really big, crazy, consequential lies. But there's a world of white lies, of fibbing, of play acting um, that can kind of be fun. Do you know? So and there was a we read a a piece about it in Vice that talked about this kind of like fibbing. Uh, Do you have one fun with this kind of lie? Because let me tell you, I actually. Once I once ordered a cup of coffee with a British accent to see if I could pull it off, and I truly almost had a panic attack. Like I just, <laughs> I couldn't handle. Even though it was like nobody was hurt in the process of me doing a British accent, you know, I, um, I, I just couldn't handle it. So, my, what is your relationship with that kind of um, fun fibbing? I do the best kind of Southern California lying, which is me oh, and I friends know. or whoever yeah. will go mm-hmm. to open houses and act like we're a married couple about to buy. Yeah. It's oh, so yeah, much yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so much yeah, fun. Okay. That's, yeah, that's cute. With men, Bye. with women, you show up and they're like, yeah, we're just looking for a place for the kids and the dogs. And then you get treated like a king for half an hour and then you go away. That is the best kind of lie. Lying that's at really open cute. houses. Yeah. <laughs> That's really, really cute. Margaret? I don't know. Like, I think um, my capacity for lying has really shifted as I got older because I can't remember any lies I told. <laughs> so I'm really <laughs> careful to tell the truth because I just cannot remember. The The biggest lie that I told was when I was like 17 and I lied my way into a college comedy competition. I had dropped out of school. Ooh. And um, I, I won the West Coast. So it was... Uh, uh, the prize was to open for Jerry Seinfeld. And, Whoa. Um, and I, I got to open for Jerry Seinfeld, which helped me along to find it to space to have a television career. And uh, that was really incredible. And then years later, I met with the people who put on the contest and I told them that I lied. And they're like, so? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't care. They're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Wait, had it That's been wild. needling, like needling at you? For yeah, years. I was like scared. I was like that, super right. scared that I was going to get found out and something was going to happen. And then so when I finally saw the promoters that did it again, I immediately Fessed came up. clean and they were uh, nonplussed. Okay. They wow. had no reaction. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's the kind of lie that, yeah, I would I would just have faint like from doing like a lie like that. I, I, I have a really hard time. I mean, I think part of it. So it's funny when you said, Sam, when you said Southern California lie, I'm from Southern California, I'm from Palm Springs and uh, a bunch of my friends. I didn't friends, know that. Palm yes, Springs? Yes, I never yes, met anyone Palm from native. Palm Springs. That's there. I'm the, I'm the one, that one person. Okay. And, <laughs> um, a bunch of my friends from Southern California like lived in New York. We all lived in New York City for a while. So half of our friend group was, you know, Northeastern natives and then the other half was Southern California natives. And 
the, the Southern California ones would always be like, oh my God, I'm totally going to be there in 10 minutes. But like, it was always 20 <laughs> minutes. You know, we were always yeah. like lying really at small amounts about logistical things, just constant exactly. lying about logistical things. And they were like, why do you guys do that so much? And I was like, is it the traffic that did it to us? It's something about the driving, the parking. I don't know, but we, we always were doing that kind of- It's the of, weather. It's, it's the, the weather. <laughs> when the weather's this good, you lose all sense of time. It's right, sunny, right, right. It's sunny most days. Agree. Yeah. My favorite kind of like lie in Southern California is like the myth of California sober. Everyone's into that. Now. Oh. I'm California sober. I'm California sober. Okay, you're not drinking alcohol, but you're doing cocaine, ketamine, <laughs> mushrooms, LSD. Molly, you're not sober, buddy. You're just doing different drugs. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. Um, So in this article, they talked about um, the sort of like trust breaking down. And I have a friend, a Southern California friend, who does small lies all the time, but they're like, they're just the dumbest. It'll be like, what'd you have for lunch? And I'll be like, a hot dog. And I'm like, oh, that's funny. Like, I, okay, yeah, you had a hot dog, but he had a salad. You know what I mean? And like, that's the lie. Like, it's so. Is he doing just, it for comedy or just? He's just sort of like doing it to see what we'll say or something. I don't know. It's just kind of like a funny thing. But but you're. Then I'm he, worried about your friends. No, I know you're. The more you say about really your friends, they're trouble. Like, I know. I know. <laughs> That's a strange thing to lie about, though. Like, why would you lie about yes. having a hot dog? Yeah, no, it'll it'll just be, I don't know. I can't explain it. He'll just kind of do these, like, funny lies to see what we'll say or whatever. I don't know. And um, and we're sort of used to it, you know. But then it, when it comes to the time when he's trying to tell us something serious, I need to get confirmation, like, a hundred times before I believe him. So... I think all. Did you like being his friend? Yeah, no, I did. <laughs> Does he ever cry wolf anytime? <laughs> yeah. I guess, I guess, I guess it has frayed, you know, my general trust in, you know, it's like we have In fun. him as an individual. Right. It, when it comes to serious things, like, sure, we can, like, hang out and, like, talk real housewives. Like, that's not a problem. Just but- mouth his name silently. Don't say it out loud. <laughs> um, it's, it turns out it's like an A-list celebrity. We all know. Um, but I know it's just like it's it, it does erode trust. And so I wonder, like, if you guys have ever dealt with someone who kind of does a lot of this sort of like little lying that you you feel like eh, they're not. I can't trust them. Ultimately, I feel like in romantic partnership, you have to lie. You all, mm-hmm. your partner always looks good no matter what. Right, mm-hmm. right. They can eat yeah. whatever they want and do whatever they want, and sure, it's fine. No, you don't snore. No, it's fine. Like you, like these are compromises you make. Some of those times, it's just fine, right? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think that yeah, that is like negotiating space with somebody else that's really um, intimate, and then you have to, you kind of know what serves them mm-hmm. and their safety. Right. You know that that I don't even count that as lying. That to me is more just like graciousness which i think yeah it's just it's just being nice i think yeah there was one girl who i was friends with uh we were gonna go do something and then she said she was sick we were like texting about it and i was like okay and then later we were talking about the event and i was like oh yeah you were sick and she goes oh no i lied about that and i was like i'm not gonna be friends with you that's weird like it's weird to just sort of like kind of i mean it's not even a consequential lie but i was so kind of grossed out by like because I really do, I love a boundary. 
And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, if there's something I don't want to do, I go, oh, I don't want to do that. There you go. <laughs> Instead yes. of making a weird I, but, excuse. But, but, Margaret, I would say that's unusual. People don't mm. normally admit to just not wanting to do something. They, I think it's pretty, I think it's far more likely that someone will be like, um, I'm not feeling well. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? A, a close friend of mine does this thing where for most social plans, they'll just say, let me see how I feel. Then the day mm. of, they'll say, I feel like going out today or I don't. And you're mm-hmm. like, you know what? I respect that. That's great. Every, you know, every That's day great. your emotional state can be different and it's okay to say, let me see. Right. So yeah. also but we're all adults. That's fine. This friend never, you can never reliably count on this friend days in advance to agree to do something. Yeah. Okay, so you but don't in rely that on that and person for that type, right? So you yeah. know, yeah, 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 yeah. See, I have a, I have a friend who I would, I knew that if we ever made plans, there was a fifty percent chance she would cancel, mm. and over time, that didn't end up working out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. it was just like, man, it's frustrating that I can't count on you to like just show up to a thing you agreed to do. So mm-hmm. yeah. over time, I was just like, I'm gonna like put less energy into this. It doesn't. And that's allowed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know. You um, said XX. <laughs> Sorry, I keep bringing it back. I keep bringing I love it back. That because it's very useful. <laughs> yes. It's XX, very, very baby. Useful. Uh, X, I said I said to her X Corgi, and she Aww. was confused. <laughs> um, but okay, folks, let me know where what is your relationship with uh, with the white lies? I'm so curious to know. Also, why they gotta be white? can't they be like i want them to be your what your lies of color tell me (laughs) (laughs) there we go there we go i like that um uh, all right folks that is the uh end of the episode i want to thank you both so much for coming on this show you're both just so utterly delightful i was so excited to see this combination of people on the panel today i can't even tell you and what i would love is for the people of fake the nation to be able to follow you and all of the wonderful things that you do margaret show where do they do that they can find me um at margaretcho.com at margaret underscore cho on instagram at margaret cho on twitter and at the margaret cho on tiktok Sam Sanders, where do they do that? So on the social platforms, I am at Sam Sanders. So at Sam Sanders on Twitter, at Sam Sanders on Instagram, and I host two weekly podcasts. Uh, On Wednesdays, new episodes of my podcast, Vibe Check, drop. And on Thursdays, new episodes of my Vulture and New York Magazine show, Into It drop uh they're both really fun check them both out and also gotta just say margaret it's it's such an honor to be in the same podcast panel with you i'm such a humongous fan i love everything you do and you just are a trailblazer in so many ways mad respect thank you i'm such a fan (laughs) of yours thank you you. this is awesome And to everyone, please like, subscribe to Sam's, both of his shows, which are so fun and just great. And also, don't forget to see Margaret live and in person, which is how she should be seen on the Live and Livid tour, um, which, like, I can't wait uh, to go to myself. So definitely um, uh, support our guest. And then, um, as for me, you know where to find me and all and all the things that I do. On, I will be uh, on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me this week. So tune in to Wait, Wait um, to hear me there. 
And otherwise, I would love to thank all the people that make this show a possibility. That's our wonderful producer, Andrew McGuire, our fantastic audio engineer, Stephanie Aguilar. Our theme music was written by Gabby Alter. Thanks to everyone at HeadGum for making this show a possibility. And please don't forget to email us. You've been doing great at using the new email, fakethenationpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's fakethenationpodcast at gmail.com for any ideas you have, uh, for topics, for guests, for whatever, whatever idea you have. I'm all ears. Um, And don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts because it helps people find the show. And we will be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.